Hello, and welcome to Fighting Over the VCR. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. And it's October. Hooray! Do you like October? Yes. And it's fall. It finally. is fall. It's, and, uh, months. You know, and there's, a, there's something else that happens in October, which is pretty exciting. Right, Mulder? Well, number one. Well, Mulder's a black cat. So. Black cats. Let's, let's, let's start this off with a PSA. <laughs> um, black cats are amazing. They're just like any other cat. They're not evil. There's nothing evil about a black cat. So let's, um, if you see black cats in October, please take care of them. There's people that like to specifically find black cats in October and do terrible, bad things to them. So do not go to a pound or, you know, a kennel or any place like that and find a black cat and do terrible things to it. And if you hear of anyone doing this, report them to the authorities. Um, black cats are amazing. They are friendly and loving and talkative as podcat here is. I would like it if, um, you would take care of them. So take care of the black cats this, this, uh, this October. I agree. And this cat is basically like a dog anyways. Pretty much. (laughs) Um, you know, there's another reason why October is great. That's pumpkin spice lattes. Actually, no, it's not. Pumpkin spice (laughs) lattes are dumb. (laughs) The whole month of October, if you watch television or go to the movies, this is prime time to, uh, get your scare on because it is time for Halloween movies. It's spooky season. It is spooky season. So this episode and next couple episodes, we're going to focus on some spooky movies that we grew up watching. Yep. Cause that's what we do. That's what we do. We talk about movies that we grew up watching and yeah, let's get spooky. I'm going to just start by saying I've more or less outgrown wanting to watch scary movies. It's not something I usually choose to do anymore. I don't watch slasher movies. I don't watch like Saw or any of the many horror movies that come out throughout the year. It's not really my jam. Um, So this is kind of pushing me to different limits, revisiting some scary stuff this month, but you know. Well, and, and, you know, Nancy, you... I don't think you've ever really been into scary horror movies. Mm-mm. You're not into blood and guts and gore or anything no. like that. I mean, even there's even certain suspenseful movies that have nothing really to do with horror, but it could just be like a murder or something mm-hmm. like that that you're not really yeah. super fond of. Yeah, I don't I don't race out to necessarily watch like tons of Stephen King stuff, but I definitely can list like four or five Stephen King movies I like. Um, but no, scary movies are not my normal. <laughs> I mean, the the bloodiest movies I watch would normally be like gangster movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, scary movies. This this is this is a challenge for me, <laughs> but it's a fun challenge. Well, and I think that we're gonna get to um, over the next couple episodes. Hopefully, introduce you to some some really good cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, there are just, two. There there's, are some, there's some. There's some good movies that are on the scary side that Nancy has just not been inclined to watch. Mm-hmm. She hasn't necessarily avoided them, but she's never. You know, if she had to choose between movie, you know, scary movie and 
When know, Harry Met Sally. And when Harry Met Sally, she's going to put on When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> um, so um, I think this is going to be fun. Yeah. I'm really excited. It's, it's I, I myself, I wouldn't say I'm a horror movie aficionado. I don't, I don't seek them out. Mm-hmm. But I've seen quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I along with you. I'm not really into what uh, has been deemed uh, torture porn, mm-hmm. um, which is basically the thrill of watching someone get hurt in creative and mm-hmm. extremely terrible ways. No. Or um, there's movies like Hostel, where like people just get kidnapped and you know, chopped up or tortured or whatnot. I'm not into that. It's, um, I think that where I gravitate towards is kind of cheesy slasher or like almost comedic, like, um, evil dead. Mm -hmm. Kind of like campy. Campy is fun, Mm -hmm. but I also like some suspenseful Mm -hmm. kind of, kind of horror. Um, I think we're not going to talk about it for this month, but, I rewatched uh, Donnie Darko in the last year, and I forgot how suspenseful and um, freaked out that movie made me. It's kind of it, Frank the Rabbit, really, really. Well, and that takes place scared me on Halloween. <laughs> you know, that whole scene with Frank the Rabbit is all takes place on Halloween. Yeah. So, I think it would qualify, you mm-hmm. know, for this, but not part of this. Not project. on, not on our list. Maybe this, next year. So, let's get to it. I think that uh, this week. Is going to be, it's probably more of our roots. Yeah, I would say definitely our roots. Um, we're going to talk about movies that Matt and I both saw, I think, before the age of like 10. I mean, really, oh, yeah. really definitely. early exposure. Um, the movie Matt's talking about, we definitely saw. As children. As young children. <laughs> and the movie I am going to talk about, I saw a little older, but I was still, I was in elementary school when I saw it. I will later be talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, um, which, which was like the scariest horror movie I'd seen probably throughout my childhood and then got somewhat obsessed with all the sequels and really kind of dove into that series. Uh, but Matt's going to start us off with Poltergeist. Yes. Okay. So Poltergeist, the horror movie that Stephen King put out other than Schindler's List. Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Steel, Spielberg's. The, oh my gosh. Well, I know. some people would rather it be Stephen King, but anyway. PG. Rated PG. Because the PG-13 rating had not been created yet. But it should have been R. I do not think this movie is R-rated. Well. <laughs> I mean, it's freaky. For as it terrified as we were of it, it as kids... I'll I'll say this is a PG thirteen movie primarily because it is has like the scare factor that you know like kids our age under ten probably should not have been seeing but at the same time it's not super bloody and no one dies I guess you're right no one no one dies yeah 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 you just yeah yeah, yeah. so in nineteen eighty two. Steven Spielberg writes and produces this movie depending on what, and he hires, um, a director to make it named, um, Toby Hooper, who 
previously did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, if you've seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is probably, like, it, it is torture porn in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, just, just from the name itself. Um, so I'm him doing that. this movie is very kind of kind of a, a bizarre kind of thing for, like, Stephen King or Steven Spielberg to take on. Did this come out before or after E.T.? So here's the story. Supposedly, Spielberg couldn't direct this movie because he was already because of the contract that he had that in the obligation to make E.T. Okay, but one of the things that's he certainly had time to hire the person to do the score. Well, (laughs) here's the thing: is there's a lot of interesting controversy about this movie. Not just how it was, not just during the making of it, but post-production of it and everything. And one of the kinds of interesting things about this movie is if you're watching it, it feels like a Steven Spielberg movie. Mm -hmm. And one of the, even though he's not credited as the director, and if you ask him, he doesn't say he directed it, but people on set have all said that, he directed a handful of this movie, mm-hmm. like maybe more than 50% of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's room there. They can't really say like no one has really like sat down and nailed it down. But if he's making this at the same time as E.T., like there's rumors that it's the same neighborhood. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it's just there's no bicycles flying. In this right. Movie. But, um you know, that's all some of that has not been proven or disproven or whatnot. Mm. But just the fact that there's this weirdness going into making this movie mm-hmm. is one of the things I think that makes it kind of have like a a lore, you know, that oh, people yeah. are like so into. Oh yeah. And we'll get into some of the um some of the other things that have happened with um actors and whatnot. Yeah. So this movie came out in nineteen eighty two and it is basically, um, well, let me let me kind of go get back. So, one of the fun things that I think is great about watching movies like this, especially, I, I guess at any age, is kind of the whole like, hey, let's have a slumber party and watch a scary movie mm-hmm. kind of thing. One of the fun things that we did to rewatch this movie is we had kind of a group watching. It was mm-hmm. me and Nancy. And our friends of the podcast, Sherry and Drew, and we got together and we said, hey, let's watch Poltergeist. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that makes it fun is you all kind of like laugh at the same parts or you find certain things kind of spooky or you can goof on each other if someone's getting scared. Mm -hmm. And like there's all those kinds of fun things to do. So you can all uniformly agree that clowns are scary. Well, yes, we'll get to that. I just wanted to say, like, I think that's one of the fun things about watching scary movies is, like, kind of the whole, like, hey, let's all... It's like everyone going on a roller coaster together. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And kind of having that same, like, adrenaline rush and Mm -hmm. everything like that at the same time or everyone trying, you know, if you're with, like, your sweetheart and, like, hiding under the blanket with them kind of thing, you know. I think that that is kind of the fun thing about scary movies. And um, And then then I'm sure you get the prankster in these shared experiences that 
will deliberately Boo! try to scare <laughs> yes. the other people watching them together. Yes, I have a story about that as um, when we get to the the second movie that we're going to talk about. Mm, great, but um, Nancy, you actually made a very um, great comment and to describe this movie while we were having our our group um, rewatch, and that. Um, this movie kind of is about the horrors of over, um, overbuilding in real estate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, because so where we live, there's, there's just not enough housing. It, the Bay area is overcrowded and there's not enough people, not enough places for people to live. So everywhere you turn, there are new condos going up just every, everywhere. And that this, that this movie is kind of based on a neighborhood that just kind of sprung up, but, oh, maybe what was it built on? And, oh, maybe that should have been considered before they, you know, poured all the concrete and let all the residents come in. So um, this is actually, uh, Poltergeist is, you know, your kind of typical haunted house kind of story. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, I don't haunted house and maybe like an exorcism kind of thing. It's kind of the thing uh, with yeah. I mean, it almost like um, I I think so. One of my favorite new um, horror movies and and it's it's it might be in my top five now of horror movies just because I like it so much is The Conjuring. Never saw it. Oh man, that's a great that's a great scary movie. First maybe t- next year. First time we watched it. Um, we decided to put it on at 11 o'clock at night, oh <laughs> and that was a mistake. We were kind of freaked out. Who's in that? That one with Ethan Hawke? No, no, The Conjuring. Um, oh, Patrick Wilson, right? Patrick Wilson and the fair, my whose name I can never pronounce. From Up in the Air? I don't, yes. Yeah, I think that's Oh, fair. and the Bates Motel remake? No, Up, or, in, the, up in the Air was... was um, was that her? Yeah, I think it She's was her. She's also in it. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, haunted house story, kind of a ghost story, kind of kind of thing, because that's what poltergeists are. And um, basically, the sto- it's a move. It stars Greg T. Nelson as um, the dad. The dad, <laughs> Stephen Freeling, uh, Joe Beth Williams as Diane Freeling, his wife, and they have three kids: uh, Dana, Robbie, and. Cute little Carol Ann. Carol Ann, five years old, and she starts talking to spirits through the television, which is the iconic scene on the poster, like her hands on the TV with the white noise and everything like that. They're here. That's right. Eventually, the spirits get angry, and bad things start happening in the house, and ultimately they hire some uh, paranormal um, investigators to come to the house. (laughs) Pre-Ghostbusters. Who who are pre, you know, whatever those television, paranormal, pre-paranormal activity kind of, kind of stuff. And um, they have, that doesn't work entirely. So they bring a um, kind of a psychic or um, what do they talk? No, what are they called? They're, um, there's a, there's a name for them when they can channel to like other spirit, the clairvoyant. Mm. They bring a clairvoyant in. Is that Tangina? Name Tangina. <laughs> but <laughs> the whole time we were watching it, we kept calling her Tangina, hoping she wasn't sunburnt Gina. Oh, yeah. 
And um, <laughs> played by Zelda Rubenstein, who... All four, four foot three of her? Yep, she's only four foot three, who, um, as far as I know, her main movies that she's been known for are the Poltergeist movies and Sixteen Candles. Yeah. They bring in the clairvoyant, who then helps them figure out what's going on in their house. Once they do that, they think they're safe, and nope, the ghost never went away. And the whole fam- the family gets attacked by the ghosts, and they say, F this, and they take off, and they leave, and the house just disappears into nothingness. Yeah. I think this movie is old enough, and it's kind of hard not to talk about a lot of this movie without just spoiling it. Yeah, I mean, this movie is what 38 39 years old something like that i mean it's it's yeah and watching it as an adult so i think i only saw it once as a kid oh i saw it multiple times as a kid i did not i only saw it once and that was enough and i never had an interest in watching it I think again I, I think i watched it at different points in my life like i watched it as a little kid and then was like i'm never watching this what, movie ever again and what, then i probably watched it as a teenager and then maybe once in the, like, the last 20 years. What did you say when we watched it as little kids? I have no idea. You don't remember? That wasn't Poltergeist. That was a different movie. Oh, no. It was Poltergeist, I swear. It had to be Poltergeist where you said, turn that one. Well, I don't think it was that. Mm. I don't even remember that, me even saying See, that. See, you were so... I was asleep. I woke up from a dead sleep, saw the TV, said that, apparently, and then fell back to sleep. I've always associated it with Poltergeist, so maybe, I mean, again, I was, I was young, ha- too. I was so. asleep, so just associate it with whatever you want. This movie, in retrospect, is, I mean, I I still don't think it should have been a PG-13, a PG movie, and I don't even know if it would have been PG-13 if that rating would have been available but it was not as scary to watch as an adult. God no. As it was when I was a kid. But I had I had to kind of mentally prepare myself, which was one reason why I wanted to watch it in a group and not by myself. Oh my gosh. A fun rewatch. Um it it is it is it, it I mean, like I said, there are real life things that Steven Spielberg has filmed like Schindler's List or Saving Private Ryan or that are like really intense, suspenseful mm-hmm. that are actually scarier than this movie. Sure. <laughs> you know, just for the, the fact that, you know, those are real terrible things that are going on. Yeah. And this is not that way. Yeah. I am not one to I've never seen a ghost. So I can't. <laughs> I, so it's like a, it's like my thought on about aliens. Like I've never seen an alien, but I can't deny the fact that it might exist. Yeah. So I'm not going to say ghosts don't exist because I think that is. Um, it's kind of like an agnostic way of acknowledging that. Right. The spirit world. Right. So, but at the same time, they're ghosts. You know, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's. You know, what are you going to do? So I think I I think I was equating Carol Ann to being a more evil character, kind of like um, in Exorcist. What happens to that little girl? I think I imagined all these years later without really revisiting this movie ever before, um, before this weekend watching it, that something much worse had happened to her. I forgot that she's not in most of this movie. No. You just so, hear her voice a little bit. And right. That's it. So one of the, the, one of the, pretty much the main reason why the paranormal investigators are, are um, brought in is because um, another stereotypical kind of like scary thing that kids would have is the monster in the closet. Mm-hmm. 
and it just so happens that the closet in the um, in Carol Ann and her brother um, Robbie's room is like where the portal is mm. to the other side. Mm-hmm. So, which gives me a whole new like angle on how in so many closets is where you have access to either like a basement or an attic. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's why a lot of that stuff... Or, like, underneath the house, the access is through a closet. Right. She gets sucked into the closet Mm -hmm. and then sent into this other plane or astral plane or whatever we Mm. want to call it. And they get the paranormal investigators in there to try and figure out what the hell is going on. And then they get the clairvoyant in there to, to figure out how they can get her out. They eventually, you know, get this grand plan to somehow communicate with her enough to where they can get her near the opening or not throw a rope in there. The mom goes in to get her. They grab, she grabs her and pulls her out and then they covered say, with goo covered with afterbirth. <laughs> and, yeah, basically. Um, they think everyone's nice and saved. And then shit gets really kind of scary. So there's some scenes in this movie that totally stood out to me as a kid, which is probably why, and which is the main reason why I picked this movie. You know, I could have very easily picked Friday the 13th or Child's Play or any any of these movies that came out in the 80s that were, you know, big horror movies that we would have seen. Mm-hmm. I could have picked any of these movies, but I picked this movie because this was like the first one. Mm-hmm. This was like the first one I remember seeing that had things in it that like burned into my brain yeah. and freaked me out. And um, I'd like to say that, you know, over time I got over a lot of it, you know, but when you're five, six, seven years old, you know, we didn't have a lot of limits on what we would watch sometimes. So mm-hmm. if this was on, we'd watch it and then tell ourselves we're idiots for doing that. I think we both also had pretty wild imaginations when oh, we were kids. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, seeing this kind of stuff probably enhanced that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so there's a couple things I want to I want to point out first. Um, I was never really afraid of trees ever. So there's a very kind of strange scene where there's a a creepy tree outside the kids room that at one point comes to life, grabs the son, Robbie, out of bed and then try it pulls it outside and then tries to eat him. And um, it's a very ridiculous looking scene. Yeah, this yeah, the effects have not aged well. No, but um, in my research, I read that that scene was inspired by a creepy tree that was outside of Steven Spielberg's house. So Mm. hence, you know, bringing some of his own childhood into it. Um, but, um, so I was never really freaked out by trees. Um, I was never freaked out about voices in the TV. You know, that didn't really come out to me, but that's, you know, a theme in this where, you know, um, the two things that always kind of creeped me out. One is that in the movie, they have this new house and they're still working on the neighborhood, but, uh, and, um, Steven, the dad, works for the developer. Mm-hmm. So he can pretty much have whatever he wants for this house. So he's putting in a swimming pool. Well, <laughs> eventually, at the end, near the end of the movie, when all, all hell is breaking loose, the mom falls into the swimming pool and is surrounded by skeletons. And 
I'll get back to why there's skeletons in there, but in my research, I read that they used real skeletons. I heard that too. And um, it was easier than using. It was the, cheaper yeah. than getting plastic skeletons, which is surprising and frightening. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought that was interesting. But that scene kind of. Not that I was afraid that skeletons were ever going to get me in a pool, but it has kind of make me freaked out of water I can't see in, mm-hmm. you know, like the ocean or yeah. a lake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you never know when that hand is going to grab you and pull you under. Um, but probably the scene that in my mind has freaked me out the most is the scene and in this. And you see this throughout the movie is the kids have... <laughs> This creepy clown doll that sits on a chair in their room for decoration. For what reason? I have no idea. Mm. But the son, Robbie, is constantly freaked out by this doll. He's terrified of this doll. Let me ask you a question. If you had a decoration in your room that freaked you out, why would you keep it in there? I wouldn't. And why wouldn't you tell your parents? I know, like, Aunt Edna gave me the doll, but it really creeps me out. Can we not leave it in my room? Can I just put it in the closet and take it out when she's here? Yeah. That kind of thing. But no, they leave. And, I mean, in early in the movie, he even, like, takes his jacket and puts it over the doll because he doesn't want to see it while he's sleeping. His Chewbacca jacket. His this, Chewbacca. this kid's room is decked out in Star Wars stuff. Which is awesome. Which is Which is amazing. Which also probably made me more freaked out because I had a lot of Star Wars stuff yeah. as a kid. Um, well, he was probably what eight or nine, maybe nine. Or he was like older. I think he was like eight. Okay. Because and because Carol Ann was five, and I think she was probably like eight. And he the was oldest like sister eight. was like fourteen. Yeah. We don't. She's not really in the movie that much because like nothing. Did anything ever even happen to her in no. the movie? No. Not in the movie. Yeah. 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 At the end, after they think that they've gotten rid of the ghosts, the ghosts are, you know, they're by themselves in the house. The dad's not there. The older sister's not there. It's just mom, Carol Ann, and Robbie. And the ghosts decide to get angry at them. And they possess this, this clown doll pull and he gets pulled under the bed and it's like strangling him. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I thought this scene in my mind as a kid lasted half the movie. Mm. <laughs> like it just went on and on. It was this yeah. kid getting strangled underneath his bed. Right. But um, upon rewatch, I'm totally over that scene now because there's something really cool that kind of happens at the end of that scene. Like you see him get attacked by the doll. You see him get pulled under the bed, but then at some point he's, you know, he has freed himself and he's like punching and fighting the doll, like mm. tearing it apart. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I hate you. I hate your stupid clown. And he's like doing that. And I was like, that is like the most empowering thing to see. Mm-hmm. Like this kid was, a, was being attacked and then, you know, came back and I was like, well, you know what? I never even noticed that as a kid. All I noticed as a kid was, you know, the fact that he was getting attacked by it. Yeah. So, that's good. So there was that scene. I guess the other thing that is like super freaky about this and we, you know, we'll bring it up now. And because we were talking about um, poor planning and real estate. There's a scene where Stephen's boss takes him, um, you know, they're having a meeting on like a hillside that is near their neighborhood. 
And they're like, yeah, this is where phase five is going to be. And they're walking next to a cemetery. And he's like, well, what? I mean, you can't build here. Isn't that there's something wrong with that? He's like, well, it wasn't a problem by your house. Mm. And and he's like, oh, so we're living where a cemetery was. And then after, you know, all hell breaks loose, Stephen comes home and he's and his boss is who probably lives nearby is there. And he just starts yelling at him. He's like, you took out the headstones, but you didn't remove the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> so they basically built this whole neighborhood on a cemetery with the bodies still there. Yeah. And those souls were not at rest and they were angry yeah. and they took it out on Stephen and his family. <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, I would not show this to my son because uh, no. um, it would freak him out. Right. Yeah. So as campy as it might seem, and especially in compared to certain things that come out today, this is still a pretty freaky movie. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the score really tries to lighten it up. I mean, it is a true blue Steven Spielberg light and airy score throughout. I mean, it really tries to make it a more lighthearted movie. I mean, a lot of his Especially some of his early work. I mean, you have to remember, too, like, so let's say he was working on E.T. at the same time. He's in kind of the same mind frame of children Mm -hmm. and stuff. So if that's all true, that, you know, he's working on these two movies simultaneously, it's kind of hard to, like, really change direction like that sometimes. So maybe maybe that like and and he has a style (laughs) and there's a Steven Spielberg style. Yeah, I'm going to and I probably just accidentally just said Stephen King again. I think I did. It's okay. But Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Spielberg has a style that is pretty much like if you're watching one of his movies, you can really tell it's his movie, Mm -hmm. which, you know, gets some people into the into a camp of, I like Steven Spielberg, or I absolutely hate Steven Spielberg. Yeah, it can be divisive. It's divisive. This movie definitely has that. And as much as we want to believe that Toby Hooper had was directing a lot of this, um, I'm sure he did do some of it. I'm not saying he didn't do any of it, because there's definitely certain things that, you know, there's shots, there's stuff. I mean, Steven Spielberg doesn't stand behind the camera on every shot that he does. There's different crews that probably do little things here and there. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Like the, the lightheartedness that comes with the music and everything like that definitely brings kind of more of like a childlike feel to it, which is why I think they could get away with it being PG. If they were to have this, if, if this movie had the soundtrack to, like Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street or Jaws or Jaws or something like that. Well, even Jaws though has some more lighthearted kind of mm. vibes, you know, when they're, you know, on the boat together. But yeah. If it had Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack, this movie would be scary. Yeah. So there's that I have seen there. So this movie has two sequels and a remake. I've seen the two sequels. The first sequel, Poltergeist two, um, the Revenge, I think, is what it's called, or something like that. It's it, there are some scenes in that that are scarier than mm. the first movie. One of the things that makes the second one kind of really scary is in the first movie. One of the things that is keeping the souls not at rest on the other side 
is like this demon beast. You know, they call it like a beast in the movie. Oh, yeah, I was and joking you kinda, that it was the dog from Sandlot. Yeah, we kept joking. <laughs> you kind of see this character a couple of times, this beast character. There's a when like yeah. when like Steven's trying to like pull them out with the rope. Yeah, the giant head comes out of the closet, yeah. and you kind of see it. Well, in the second movie, that beast has crossed over as a character named Kane and looks like this like creepy undertaker kind of old man. Oh boy. And then that character then reappears in the third one where now Carol Ann is living with like an aunt and an uncle in like a, in like a skyscraper, like, like hotel apartment building in like New York. And the, 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 the beast is still after her and you know, everything's going on while in a, a giant building and it's ridiculous and some scenes are kind of freaky in that and like the budget's a little higher and everything but they're not they're not as good as the first one in some ways yeah um and i never saw the remake they remade this movie with um sam rockwell a great actor who then did the remake i never saw that yeah um but there's some interesting. So played Craig T. Nelson's character. I believe so. But there's some interesting things about this movie that, um, you know, we talked about whether Toby Hooper actually directed it or not. But there's some like really serious things that happened to some of the actors. Um, first of all, the in the from the second movie, the actor who played Kane, the the Beast, and actually died of cancer like right as the movie ended. So wow. he looks terrible in this movie which i think adds to how freaky he looks the other thing that happened is during the third movie um the actress who played carol ann got sick and passed away and it's like what the hell you know she she, at least she made it to the third movie but the was she even 12 by then I don't even think she was 12. Wow. And then, but the, I think what, one of the things I think is probably the worst, I mean, a little girl dying, you know, is obviously terrible is the actress who plays the older sister in the first movie had an abusive boyfriend who was beating her like as filming was going on. And he event, he strangled her to death after the movie came out. After the first one came After out. After the first one came oh out. Oh, my God. So there's this idea, like, there's some curse Oof. on these movies. So, A, why would you make a remake? <laughs> yeah, it's like you're inviting. You're inviting this terribleness. And um, so I think, like... Or even have sequels. Just yeah. Let it be. Yeah, so I think that those kinds of things, whether they are, like, urban legend or whatever, mm-hmm. or actual fact, build up a story. Sure. So I think like while there's a fear, like there's something scary going on with the movie itself, knowing like post this movie coming out, like certain things have happened to certain people have been linked to this franchise adds to like the, the cult status of it. Yeah. The circumstances around the movie, around the movie. Um, and that, and because it's a scary movie already, like it all ties together and makes that movie more scary. Yeah. 
you know, like, oh, it's almost like a chain letter. Like, don't watch it. Or something might happen to you. <laughs> and um, and I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just trying to point out, yeah. you know, that um, these are the kinds of things that I bring them up because it, those are the things that kind of tell the tale of why I find this movie interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not. Those are all terrible things. And um, but uh, you know what? It it makes. If you tell those things to people who just watch this movie, they'll be like, wow, they'll get more hyped to watch sure. it. Sure. You know? They won't think it's just goofy. Yeah. <laughs> so let's um, let's get go on and let's talk about our favorite characters and our favorite scenes from this movie. And um, you already mentioned my favorite scene. Oh, uh, which one is that? Um, the swimming pool with the skeletons. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool scene. And and. I, just the scene, like the shot of the mom screaming, and like the skeletons, either like right in front of her or right behind her. Oh She's yeah. Still around. I mean, I just think that shot's really, really awesome. And I have issues with the parents. <laughs> I think the parents are very. I, I I can't believe that knowing that the kids are um, either upset or have dealt with something like this. I can't believe how careless the parents are and like checking on the kids like the fact that the kids had to scream oh. as much as they did before the mom like gets out of the tub or well, goes and checks on I mean just look, so look, the parents are kind of let's frustrating talk to me <laughs> let's talk and, about the parents and, and Tangina is my favorite character <laughs> <laughs> well is she yeah she's the bust I thought Tangina was great um, and it's or Tan- Tangina. It's Tangina. Like it's not Regina. It's Regina. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> one-eyed Willie. Vagina. <laughs> um, let's talk about the parents. Um, they, they, the parents. The way that they tell the story is kind of interesting. And as a parent, I'm like, what the fuck is going on in some of these scenes? Like the first time you see the parents alone, there's like the mom is they're like actively rolling joints. Yeah, they and, like getting spilling high. weed and all not, over the and, bed. And I'm not saying that that's bad. Oh no, it's just but funny. It, but it's fun. Like you don't see that. You don't see that a lot Mm-mm. in movies where it's just like a regular family. Yeah. And um. So I kind of find that, like, fascinating yeah. and really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's early 80s, so it's, like, coming out of the 70s. And... But at the same respect, I don't want them... I'm hoping that they that they didn't put that in the movie to make, to, like, make a statement, like, oh, look at these pothead parents. They're neglectful. I don't think, I think that's that, it at all. I, I no, mean, no, no, no. I don't want I people don't... to watch it with that in mind. I don't think so. You know what? You know who these parents are? These parents were like two or three classes ahead of the kids from Dazed and Confused. I mean, they're not a whole lot older than what those kids would have been. I mean, no. I mean, because I think, so this is set in 82. I think at one point they say the mom was like 35. She's 32. She's 32. So she, she's 32. So she had her oldest, like at right 16. At 16 or 17 yeah. or something. So right. they're really, really young, young parents. Yeah. And, um, and, fair, and, and successful. I mean, yeah, he's, he, he's he a land, at, yeah. he's a land developer. Yeah. Um, so, but so 
I did not remember what the parents were like. Again, I I didn't. All I all I knew about this movie from being a kid was it was scary. There was a TV and there were monsters in the TV that sucked the girl in. Like I didn't even remember the clown. I didn't remember. Did you remember that she? Did you think that she? And got I remembered the pool with the skeleton. Did you remember? Did you think that she got sucked through the TV? Or I did think you, you so. remember yeah. she was getting sucked through the closet? No, I didn't remember the closet at all. Like everything. Yeah. So that scared me. But. There was a detail we haven't even brought up, and it's how the movie opens. It opens with the national anthem playing, because apparently back in the 80s, and probably even before the 80s, yeah. when television like when television didn't run 24 hours and it had like a sign-off time. Yeah, before they put infomercials. Yeah, before in, there were infomercials time. or before there was like cable TV, they would play the national anthem and do these long shots of the Capitol and the flag waving, and then it would cut to just the snow. Um, I had forgotten all of that, too. So just to have a movie open with that seemed really weird. But, I mean, it makes sense thinking about it a, now. I wonder if... Because uh, it happens in Nightmare on Elm Street, too. Well, I'm wondering also, like, if Spielberg is using that as, like, a metaphor... Like America's going to hell. Like no, like the 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 maybe not America's going to hell, but like you know, kind of a if if America stops, then the bad things will come. Almost like a mm-hmm. pro like Cold War like anti communism kind oh, of kind God. of thing. You know, maybe it's that it's that kind of metaphor. Um, or is it just a movie about ghosts in your TV? <sighs> Air in your closet, or don't 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 overdevelop cities in because you've run out of space and decide to start Maybe. building houses on cemeteries. I mean, and... I'll tell I'll tell you, like as a kid, you know, you don't really see white noise anymore. It's like a lot of TVs. At least I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't think a lot of TV, you can't really see the white noise. But I remember, like as a kid, like you would always see white noise, like when a channel went out or your TV wasn't working. Yeah, and like. You try and like stare at it and like see pictures, and it was like a it was like those three D eye puzzles where you're like, "What's going on? What's going on? It's a sailboat. There's people on the TV." But um, so what was your favorite scene? Um, I'm you know what? As a kid, I had no favorite scenes because like f this movie. Mm -hmm. But um, watching it this time, you know, the tree scene was cheesy. The scene where um. The mom, like, I guess the scene, like, when the mom discovers what's going on, like, she kind of, she kind of oh, in the kitchen, in the and, kitchen. like, she's moving the stuff around, and. Well, they're, they, they, they're having their breakfast, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all the kids leave, and when she comes back into the kitchen, all the chairs are moved away from the table, and mm-hmm. she just assumes the kids don't push in their chairs. Lazy brats. So she pushes them all in, and then. It's all done, and and if you look online, they talk about this. It's all done in one shot. So you see her come in, fix the chairs. It pans over. The camera pans with her. So she walks to the sink, so you can't see the table anymore. And then when she walks back, all the chairs are stacked in like a pyramid pattern mm-hmm. on top of the table. Yeah, and that's like one of those like very classic like oh my god our house is haunted kind yeah. of things. Yeah, and then late and then the next thing that you see is. She's found like a hot spot mm-hmm. in the kitchen mm-hmm. and she sits Carol Ann there and she's yeah, Carol Ann then <laughs> slides across the yeah. floor and 
she's almost she's kind of like giddy and excited when that happens because at that point it's like kind of cool at that point it's like ooh casper lives in our house yeah <laughs> but um uh, i found that scene pretty neat mm-hmm. on the rewatch and i like um, that scene too yeah i think though that if I'm kind of like overcoming like any fears or ingrained like danger that this movie put into my head um, as a kid, I really like like that whole end, like the whole end sequence where she's being tossed through the room Mm -hmm. and the kids are, and you know, the kids are all being attacked and then eventually they escape the house and the whole, and the house gets crumbled in. I think just that whole climax is pretty good for me. That's cool. Tangina. 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 You know, I didn't even hear her name. Like, I didn't even hear her get announced. I probably was dozing off a tiny bit while watching this the other night. Shame, um, shame. I know. Um, it was only when the credits rolled and we saw who the hell was playing Tangina. I mean, that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, again, I would not recommend this kit this movie to smaller children that have overactive imaginations i don't think anyone should really watch it probably till they're teenagers nah. eh. just i think if you're watching it like if you know your people know their kids like yeah. like if at some point river is like i really watch this movie and i think he's brave enough to watch it then mm. i would have him watch it mm. yeah it depends on the kid. Well, you'd have to explain, you know, back in the day, TV didn't, TV stopped at some point and like yeah. the screen would go Why gray. is the TV square and not wide and not like, why would you have a square TV and not, you know, a flat screen TV? Yeah. <laughs> why are there only three channels that they're choosing from? Yeah. So, so, um, so that's my take on Poltergeist again. Thanks for making me watch it. You know, it's a fun movie. I think that... I'm glad I got to overcome my fear of watching this movie. And Well, it was fun watching with you. I I don't think I was able to freak you out too much. You were so tired. But, um, no, I thought it was a good, fun movie to revisit. But um, now we're going to switch gears and revisit another movie that Nancy really got me into. Mm-hmm. You got me into this movie. This yeah. isn't a movie that um, I probably would have watched on my own. And I think... Man, by the time I watched the first movie, I think I had already seen parts of like the by the I think the third movie was already out. Yeah, we um, so when I was in elementary school, there were some girls that used to tease me about this movie before I'd ever seen it because the main character's name is Nancy. She has brown hair and I don't want to say I was bullied into watching it, but there was a lot of peer pressure that. I had to, I had to experience this movie at some point. I'm pretty sure you were bullied into watching. I think so. And it would come on around Halloween. Like they would play it around this time of year on, I swear it must've been on like like channel 44 or something, you know, like kind of like, kind of like the CW, um, what's now the CW. And I finally just kind of bit the bullet and watched it. And, it had Johnny Depp, which um, I, I I must I don't know if I'd already started watching Twenty One Jump Street or not, but I loved Johnny Depp when I was a kid. He was like my one of my early uh, movie star crushes. So I was like, oh okay, Johnny Depp definitely a selling point for this movie. But yeah, this movie super scared me. Um, 
I think the idea that this movie takes place in your dreams and the fact that our brains, like a, the brain is such a mystery still. Like there's still so much that people don't understand about our how our brains work and what dreams are and why we dream. Like there's so many mechanics about um, this dream world that are so mysterious that the fact that a movie takes place in in this world made it seem so much more real or possible. Like just the idea that you could die in your sleep if you get murdered in your sleep. It just. So it seemed more real. Oh, see, Matt's messing with me. <laughs> but so, I mean, the, the premise of this movie for anyone who hasn't seen it, you know, this is a group of teenagers on this group of friends they're all having a common nightmare about the same guy. They're all having these nightmares about Freddy Krueger and they see him the same way. He's a horribly burnt guy in a dirty red and green sweater. And he has the same weapon in all of these kids dreams. It's this glove he made with raz- with knives on them. And, you know, the reoccurring sound you hear throughout the movie is him scratching his knives all along metal, like uh, pipes. and It's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, but worse. <laughs> it's worse. Um, Wes Craven directed this, came out in 84. Um, the other actors in it, Heather Langenkamp? Langenkamp? She plays Nancy. She plays Nancy. Um, Amanda Weiss, who plays Beth in Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead. Guess what? Dead. Dead. <laughs> um, she's her friend Tina, who is the first person that we really see experiencing the nightmares. You know, these nightmares are pretty intense. You know, they're it's these kids are all being stalked. They're all running away from this guy who has found them in their dreams and he's he's chasing them in all of these dreams. And Tina ends up being the first victim. And she's trying to explain to Nancy, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm having these really crazy dreams. I'm really scared and whatnot. So she has all, you know, she has Nancy and Glenn come over for a sleepover because her mom is, you know, this little, single lady going out with, you know, going to Vegas for the weekend and leaving her teenage daughter home alone. And, you know, which is always an interesting setup. Um, that's a, that very, that, that's a very eighties kind of slasher movie. Oh setup. yeah. Oh, where are you going? The parents are out of town. Will you stay over my house? Sure. Exactly. Well, and of course her boyfriend who she apparently has a very toxic relationship with, they fight all the time. He of course crashes the party and, you know, they end up having a ton of sex and loud moany sex. Loud <laughs> moany sex. <laughs> which, you know, they show Johnny Depp just like, what am I doing here? And Apparently, um, that was, that actually happened to Wes Craven. Like, he put that in the, when he wrote it, he put that in the movie just because that actually happened. And he was the guy on the couch, not uh, the guy having the sex, unfortunately. Oh, man. Unfortunately for him. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know, Tina, who, again, has been been really struggling with these nightmares about Freddy Krueger coming to get her, he finally does it. And in a really great scene, I mean, I don't know necessarily 
how we would rate the effects in this movie per se. I mean, I a lot think of some of them are. Be... I think some of them are better than others. Yeah, movies. I mean, it's all For... practical effects, really, right? Oh, there's no CGI in this. Yeah, this is all. It's all, you know. I mean, the scene where you know, like they lift up her shirt, and then you see the four cuts ag- across her abdomen. Yeah, that's pretty goddamn intense. And then she ends up being hoisted along the ceiling and flying around and spinning everywhere and blood gushing out everywhere and. Yeah. It, it's it. So hard to not think like, holy shit! <laughs> like, what if you ever were to have a nightmare this bad? Like, how could it not? I don't know. Is it? It really messes with a ten-year-old watching this movie. And definitely, it, I think one thing. One thing I'd say is this is definitely a movie for like teenagers and kids. Mm-hmm. This is not a movie that is made for, to scare adults. No. No. <laughs> no, and. You know, just right off the bat, criticism, because, okay, I haven't watched this movie in probably 20 years. I don't think I've seen it since I was, like, late teenager, early 20s. Yeah. Um, I haven't really had a desire, and unlike Poltergeist, where I only watched that movie once, I saw this movie a number of times. Oh, yeah. I, I could quote, you know, as as I was watching it the other night, I knew what was about to be said, you know? Like, I was like, oh, okay, this line's coming up. I right. just kind of, no. like, got right back into that mode. And I've seen... I only saw the second one once. I don't think I saw that more than once or twice. It's pretty it's, terrible. It's pretty horrible. But I've seen Dream Warriors, the third one, multiple times. It's probably my favorite one. Oh, I like the first one a lot. But Dream Warriors with Patricia Ar- Oscar winner, Patricia Arquette, amazing. And the fourth one I like a lot. Um, that has... Drama-rama. Drama-rama um, and like Sinead music. O'Connor. It has... Um, a great soundtrack is what you're trying yeah, to say. Yeah, so good. I mean... <laughs> But a lot of people, I mean, just people, tons of people die in all these movies. So it's hard to get super attached because it's like by the sequel, of course, they're going to get killed. Well, well, um, one thing and and when we were doing the rewatch that I was reminded, like there are like these like quote unquote slasher movies. And I say that because some of them are better than others. Mm -hmm. But like Friday the 13th, that whole series, like when you're watching the first movie, you're like, oh, my God what's going on there's someone's someone's murdering these people by the second and third and on you're basically rooting for the villain you're rooting for the the for the bad guy you're like oh man i want to see these people get whacked i want to see them get stabbed in some creative way because it's 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 done in a campy way mm-hmm. as opposed to like it's not very realistic mm-hmm. so like in this movie in the fir- in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, I was still kind of on the fence of like Freddy Krueger's an asshole. I don't want him to win this. Mm-hmm. But when I'm watching like the fourth and the fifth one, and even the sixth one, I'm like, just let these people die. <laughs> like, go yeah. ahead, kill them. It's fun. Well, and that's char- part of the entertainment. Yeah, of because it. the character you know the best by then is Freddy, Freddy Krueger. I mean, he's been around the whole time. I mean. There, there's also kind of an interesting kind of thing that happens with a lot of like the I would say like the top slasher movie characters in my book are um, Freddy Krueger, um, Jason Voorhees, and Michael Myers. Mm. And there's a very it's like oh at the end of it do they die? Sure they do. Wait a minute they made we made a bunch of money. How do we make a sequel? Oh they're yeah. immortal. So in some ways. Freddy Krueger is almost the most believable because if he's in your dreams, he's never really de- you're n- yeah. he's never really dead. You know, he just has to find a new pe- group of people to torture to well, make a movie. Well, think about it this way too. It's like 
Okay, think about like a graduating class. So Nancy and Glenn and Tina and Rod, like they're the seniors. Well, the story of, you know, the three kids getting killed, but Nancy being the lone survivor, it becomes almost like a folklore that then gets passed down to like the younger kids. Right. And then it's like those younger kids can hear all these stories about who is this Freddy Krueger guy. And you can just describe this badly burned guy in this red and green sweater with the with the hat, with the knives. And then just the fact that they're able to imagine it, it could almost be like this invitation to bring him into their dreams. Yeah, but they all kind of start out with like, oh, we're having these terrible nightmares and we're afraid to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, so obviously there's something still there, you know. And I think in the third one, Patricia Arquette's character just keeps on having dreams of the house, you know, the yeah. house on Elm Street. Yeah. Um, one thing I'd like to note is they never even mention Elm Street. Yeah. You know, in the first movie. Um so there's no like real connection to the fact that it's happening in this house or anything like that. It's all just based on the fact that all these kids like, you know, Nancy lives across the street from Glenn. We have no idea where Tina lives. We'll just assume she lives, you know, on the corner down the street. Yeah. And Rod, he might not even live on Elm Street. He probably yeah. you know, lives on Oak Street. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it, yeah. it, it, it that's. There's a lot of vagueness that goes on with that. And this is another movie, kind of like with Die Hard, where there's like only three smart, good, three smart heroes, and everyone else who's supposed to be like a good guy is an idiot. (laughs) The kids cannot get their parents to goddamn listen to them. The kids are trying to explain what is happening to them, what they think is happening to the people who've been hurt and Mm. killed. And all these goddamn grown-ups are just, you know, plugging their ears. They don't want to listen. La, they've, la, 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 la. They, they've got a different idea. No, no, no. We already killed well, this guy. Well, wait a guy. minute. Yeah, we killed this uh, guy already. He's dead. How can he come back? Oh, we, don't, we can't believe this completely supernatural thing that is happening. Well, in reality, why would you? But, you know. Except I, she's coming back. She's de- So this is the thing. So Nancy deci- learns, okay, if I'm getting injured in my dreams and I wake up and I can show physical evidence of these injuries that's gotta that's gotta like start convincing people right like she comes like after Tina gets killed and okay not only was it satisfying to watch Beth from Better Off Dead get murdered but then for her to keep reappearing and haunting Nancy, like in her bloody body bag. Those are so gr- Those scenes are so cool. They're the best. I mean, those scenes are so-, so great. Nancy. With like the caterpillar Nancy. coming out of her mouth and just all of that stuff. Oh. I remember like like none of that I forgot. Like I remembered all oh, of that. Yeah. And I was like watching this, like, this oh. is so cool. Yeah. And as cheesy as some of the effects are, and some of the like I think that this movie actually has, like, all the nightmare scenes are actually kind of like what real nightmares are like for sure. me, maybe, where it's like you're in your house or you're, you're in a, you're, or you're being chased and you're or you're in a neighborhood that's that like is been that you're familiar yeah. with. Yeah. Whereas like from the third movie on, they become like ridiculousness, sure. you know, creative ridiculousness yeah. that, you know. Well, is not the, the uncommon, third one takes place in a mental institution, which is not so. uncommon with dreams. Yeah. But it's taking it's taking the surreal. I, I'd say it's surreal. They're taking the surrealism of dreams, which yeah. is great, um, and going like 
step further, step further, step mm-hmm. further. I think there's, I think it's in the fourth one. Another actress who was in just the 10 of us, um, other than that's not Heather Langenkamp. Um, she is in the fourth one and she's like, um, really into fitness, mm. but, she, and there's a scene in the early, in like early on in the movie before she's dreaming where she sees a cockroach and gets freaked out by it. So in the scene where, so she falls asleep while working out, I guess, and she's working out and Freddie is like, instead of is like starts pushing the dumbbell down on her when she's on the weight bench yeah. and her arms start getting brent and her, her skin breaks off and she starts turning into a cockroach yeah. and then he's chasing her and she's got these cockroach arms yeah. and a human body and then all of a sudden she falls and she's and her face hits something really sticky and as she rises up her face peels off and she's just a giant cockroach and it turns out he was chasing her into a giant cockroach trap yeah you remember this yeah so weird yeah. and it's like burned in my brain because it was so kind of creepy at that at when i saw it at that age um do you remember um the boyfriend being turned into a pe- piece of pepperoni or sausage and him, Vaguely. And, him, and Freddy taking his knives and stabbing him in the head. This was after he was killed. Something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. And then eating the it. Name, yeah. yeah. It was all of her friends, I yeah. thought. All of her friends were little pepper, like oh sausages on, on a pizza. I mean, biz- yeah. but so my, my much, point much, is. Much, much more bizarre, weird bizarre shit. Bizarre, I mean, weird shit. Because, like, in the first one. Okay. So we'll just go through the deaths real quick. Tina gets, gets chased. He catches her. He slashes her. Like, that's Tina, pretty basic. And yeah. Rod has been um, thrown into jail for murdering Tina, and he gets killed by um, strangulation. Strangulation. They, they simulate like he they he, it they makes it set look it like up he that he himself. hung himself. Yeah. And then Glenn, this is maybe the worst, like the most bizarre, but I actually don't mind <laughs> this, this one. This is the most I, bizarre. I, <laughs> <laughs> this is the most bizarre. You got a stretcher? Stretcher. You're gonna need a mop. <laughs> Matt and I used to laugh over that all the time. Um, I actually prefer it because I didn't want to see Johnny Depp all cut up and bloody and gross. So it's like just turning him into tomato soup was fine He gets with sucked me. into his bed. That's fine. Sucked into his bed when the station had its final, um, when, the, when the station ended. And then and went to White Noise? Went to the national anthem and the White Noise that happened in this movie too. So I was like, wait a second. I just saw this the day before. Him turning into tomato soup was fine, you know, because I didn't want to see him all cut up and yeah, gross. Yeah, basically, and just, I didn't want caterpillars. Coming basically, out of his you mouth. see him get pulled. You see Freddie's arm come through his bed, <laughs> pull him into a <laughs> hole into his bed, and then it cuts away. They're like, "Hey, what's going on with him? I don't know. He's fine." It cuts back to his room, and then all of a sudden, like like shooting vomit up to the it, ceiling is it, him it, grinding it in through a juicer. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost like he had been put through a blender or something, and yeah, juicer. There you go. And like it was, but so yeah. So those were the Johnny Juice. Johnny Juice. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, you want a free shot? Oh my god. <laughs> well, a boost? No, it's a boost. <laughs> you yeah. <want> a free boost? <laughs> Protein boost? Um, you know, you know what? You know, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but you know what everyone needed was an acting boost. <laughs> Dude, okay. Yeah. So before we get into that, let me also just point out this movie has a lot more religious overtones than I've remembered. You know? Really? Well, Really, as in because I didn't remember them, or because really because I don't think I don't see it. 
Are you kidding me? Just okay. the fact that there was crosses. Well, that's that's what I'm saying though. It's like it, it, she was clean. You know, Tina was clean to having the crucifix. And Nancy did too when she stayed over at Tina's house. Like, and the um, the little the, the nursery rhyme that they say all the time includes some religious stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that there's this is a religious movie in the same way that Dracula, Exorcist. Exorcist. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not comparing it that way, but I'm just saying there is an element. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not like she goes to church and prays or anything. I'm just saying that there's little little things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, also in this movie are, um, Nancy's parents, her dad's a cop, they're divorced, her mom is a complete drunk, and oftentimes looks like she's a flight stewardess. Did you notice that? Looks like um, she was a flight attendant in her little outfits and stuff. I, I was just so blown away by how, like, overly tan she looks. <laughs> she and the dad, you know what though, I, I, like, when they show scenes with the dad too, like, her dad, like, seemed overly tan too. It's know. like, it's like they were caking yeah cheeto sauce on their face i remember i remember now that the mom only kind of in the eyes always reminded me a little of like susan sarandon matt and i get in arguments oh. about this all the time Ugh. but no just there's just something about like yeah i could see it i could see it just like something oh, about her voice because she's like, like a little deeper voice if susan sarandon if you took away all of her acting talent yeah maybe well, you yeah, have be, her. yeah because oh yeah you know, Should we just, just let's just let's, let's just, just nip this in. one. Let's dive in. The acting is horrible in this movie. The acting is really bad. Even jo- I mean, Johnny Depp probably had the longest career out of anyone in this movie in his acting in this. It was the first thing he was ever in. Oh, was it? And he was and he was cast because he was dreamy. Well, yeah, he is dreamy. That Wes Craven's could, daughter he, says he, she was dreamy. He, he could wear a nice crop top. <clears throat> Wasn't he wearing a crop top at least in one or two scenes? When he died, yeah, oh, yeah. he was wearing a cutoff shirt. He yeah. had a cutoff football shirt on, and he was a football player, I believe, because mm. he had also like a Letterman jacket with his name mm. on it. Um, but yeah, the acting in this horrible, not good, not good. But I mean, it, which kind of is perfect for movies like this. Oh I yeah. Mean, I mean, why would you, why would you, if you, if you're putting all of your budget into the villain and like the creative ways that they're dying, why would you spend time on getting an actor who is going to only be on screen for five minutes? Cause they're going to die. Yeah. Although, you know what? Tina is pretty good. I would say that if I was rating the acting <laughs> talent of the well, people in this movie, Freddie's number one. I'll say Robert England, you know what? He, he deserves a gold star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and he has to be in the horror movie, like, um, Hall of Fame yeah. as well. Yeah. Because what he did with this character and the creativity that he mm-hmm. brought to it and the way in his performance. His maniacal o- laugh. over Over, I believe it's eight films. Oh my god! You know, if you count all the sequels and Freddy versus Jason and oh, yeah. and the New Nightmare movie, uh, New Nightmare is the only one I haven't seen. Um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, mm. where he tried to resurrect the whole thing, mm. um, because he has. I mean, it's you know we grew up in a in the stereotypical of eighties movies are like the like su- like the hero hollywood pun that you would get from like James Bond or Arnold Schwarzenegger movies or you know or just even uh John McClane in Yipikaye mm-hmm. yeah yeah but what they do with um Freddy Krueger is 
they give all those one-liners to the villain, Mm -hmm. which, again, kind of makes him the hero. Like, you almost start thinking of him as the hero. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, he's got some great, some great creepy one-liners. And um, so I would say if we're rating the acting and performance talent, um, we're just going to give a nod to, to Robert England. Yeah. Then it's probably, it's probably Tina. Yeah. I mean, she's not in the movie very long, but she, she eh. kind of, she pulls it off pretty well. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know where I think, else goes. I think second probably might be, um, her dad, Glenn's dad. <laughs> the like, oh. the like two minutes of screen time he has. <laughs> He's pretty good. Sorry. You're going to have to talk to him tomorrow. I don't want, you I don't gotta want, be I don't want her kids. Ha- I want him hanging out with her anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. Stupid and then, and then, and then maybe the, uh, sh- the, the cop who says you're not going to need a stretcher. You're going to need a mop. I mean, I mean, that is where we're going with the <laughs> but acting But is that the same cop who's, who's looking at Nancy as she's screaming out the windows, get my dad, get my dad. And he's like, huh. Looks like something's going on over there. Maybe I should go let the lieutenant know. Oh, I mean, oh, let me stand here for ten more minutes while I hit this woman scr- screams at me. Oh my god! Yeah. So yeah, acting not the greatest, but I mean, again, when you're nine or ten watching this for the first time, you're not watching it for the acting. No. You're absorbing the the feel the the. F- scares of it you're yeah um let's go to favorite scenes i had one in mind but i may change my mind favorite scenes i always really liked the whole scene when um so at one point she gets this plan at the end to like booby trap the house the macgyver scene the macgyver scene that was gonna be oh that's mine i mean it's very empowering yeah. And, and I always remembered like thinking like, oh man, we're getting to the cool scene where she sets all the booby traps. Yeah. And I always thought that that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, then probably my second favorite scene is when she falls asleep in school and you see Tina and then you see like the body bag is getting dragged everywhere. Yeah. And then it ends with her running into the, to the hall monitor with the Freddie sweater on and it's Freddie. Don't forget your hall pass. Yeah, exactly. Um, that would be my second. And my favorite character in the movie, I'm just going to go with Freddy Krueger. Yeah. I mean, he, he his dialogue in this movie is far less yeah, than he's what very it limited. becomes eventually in the franchise. But he's pretty, I mean, he's pretty creepy in this movie. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's interesting is um, in my research I had read that in this in the in this movie he is a child murderer and and i had forgotten that in the opening credits you see him making his his knives yeah. and um i had forgotten all about that yeah. his like his glove which i thought was pretty cool but um in my research i found like originally he was going to be a child molester mm. that had then then killed them which Again, I haven't seen the the remake that they did of this in 2010 with Jackie Earl Haley, who's a great actor. Who plays a child molester in another movie. Oh, what movie is that? Um, it's with Kate Winslet. Oh, I'll look it up. They bring that theme back in, in the remake, mm. which I have not seen. I'm not big into the, some of these remakes. Um, yeah. I, I do... There, there's another movie we're going to talk about that also got remade, and I might try and watch that one before we we talk about that movie. But anyway, um, 
I just think that Freddy Krueger is is there's definitely kind of like I said he belongs in the horror movie hall of fame mm-hmm. really and really in a lot of ways like if you're looking at like different generations of genres and everything like that he, you know him like I said him Jason Michael Myers are probably the top three of the of the 80s when it comes to horror movies there's a lot of like b-movie horror movie kind of characters Mm -hmm. but um and if you were to kind of rank those three as a character i'm putting him at the top because he actually has dialogue i was just gonna say i haven't really seen friday the 13th or halloween um and i don't ever remember anyone saying that they talk they don't. Okay, so yeah, Whereas, it makes so Freddy so he has so much be, more interesting. But, but if you were to watch the, I mean, of those three, like Jason is the least scary, even though he's probably like the most baddest guy because he never dies. You could stab him a million times and he still wakes up. But Michael Myers is a similar way, and so is Freddy in the sense that he's always in your dreams. But mm-hmm. I think from a creative standpoint. Freddy Krueger's probably the freak is freaky only because like you because of the surrealness of mm-hmm. him and the fact that he's in your dreams yeah. blah 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 yeah um, when you eventually ever see Halloween which I highly recommend you might change your tone because Michael Myers is pretty freaky yeah so, um, um, Little Children was the name of the movie that uh, oh wow Jackie Earl. Ha- it even has a, a yeah a oh, somewhat creepy mm-hmm. title oh. So, yeah, my my favorite scene, I think, was the booby trap scene. But you know what? I also really like the scene when Tina gets killed. I think I think the it's done really well, the suspense and the reveal of what he can do. Like if you've never seen any of these movies before and you don't know what the outcome is going to be. I mean, it is really amazing to see how he stalks her in the dreams. He chases her. And then he finally gets a hold of her and slashes her stomach open. And yeah, that scene's pretty cool. I'm not, and it's really bloody. Uh, Yeah, it's really bloody. One thing that's kind of kind of interesting. I mean, we when you get to the other movies, it's like, oh, don't fall asleep because if you die in your dream, you'll die in real life. Is kind of the thing they say. Well, in these movies, there's it's almost like they can't decide. Tina is. She falls asleep. She gets chased by Jason. And then all of a Freddy. sudden... Or Freddy. I'm sorry. She gets chased by Freddy. Kind of like... And then we don't know if she actually wakes up or not. Or if she's dreaming the whole time Before, he's attacking her. Yeah. But they show they, they show him under the sheets. Yeah. And then you see the, the, the four cuts happen. But yeah. you don't actually see the... So it's hard to tell. Like, Is she dreaming that she's fighting Freddy and it happens in real life or is it like this idea like if you die in your dream you'll just die for real but why would it actually happen to you physically why wouldn't your heart just stop yeah I mean she she had the evidence before her mom left that like her nightgown got got shredded so he had he'd slashed her nightgown in that one scene because she woke up and the mom's like guess you're gonna have to cut your fingernails i mean just uh, i mean why are we trying to find logic in in a movie like this yeah but i'm just yeah just that that's how my brain works yeah so (laughs) so tina's death scene it was pretty damn awesome that's pretty cool and your favorite character faker come on 
It can't. It's. It can't be Nancy. It's Nancy, isn't it? It's not Nancy. I mean, I guess it's Freddy Krueger. I mean, again, I was so taken aback by the the not great acting in this movie that it was hard to kind of think of who your, the favorite characters. But I mean, she really is the center of the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I understand why people would pick Nancy because she's kind of the hero. The other thing, I mean, this movie has ver- a very... Yeah, I'm going to uh, say it was her. Okay. I mean, for, it becomes Freddy Krueger in later movies, but... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Well, this movie has a very kind of open-ended, kind of surreal ending, too. Oh, so bizarre. It's so bizarre, like, to the where you don't even know, like if everything you just watched really happened, which yeah. I think is kind of interesting. Like as a kid, I didn't really make that connection, but I'm more, we've seen enough movies to where we can like kind of analyze it that way. And, and, um, it's, I, I kind of found that pretty cool. Like, yeah. Having I, this like open ended, like, did they win? Is he still around? Yeah. Did they kill him? I mean, she thinks that she solves the mystery of the whole, I'm not going to give you energy anymore. You can't hurt me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then, like you said, just like snap of your fingers and she wakes up and it's like, oh, wow, it's so bright outside. Hey, oh my God, mom, you look so great. And she's like, I feel like a million bucks. And, you know, all of her friends who she already knows have been all murdered show up in the uh, um, convertible that has the. Uh, oh, red and green uh top on it yeah so so i mean clearly it was poised for sequels yeah I mean, there's no way you end the movie like that well without. the second one came out the year later so. <laughs> and and then, so the thing that's unique about the second one is that um it's a a male lead and that's yeah. the only t- i think that's the only time it's a male lead for the rest of the series pretty much and which is which is very interesting and and the only reason why it's a male lead is because it has this very it's the only time they do this in the series but it has this very bizarre like freddy is coming back to life by possessing the that main character so weird it was I so bizarre i just don't remember much of it at all it was so strange i just remember like there was um like a bus scene at the end and there's a party scene where there's like a high school party there's, and there's definitely at least one intense sex scene Oh, well, come yeah, on. I mean, Why not? Slasher it's, it's a slasher movie. I mean, if it wasn't for slasher movies, I probably wouldn't have in, ingrained in my brain that all teenage girls wear only a T-shirt and their underwear to bed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, I, I just grew well, up. That's what all of them wear. And Carol Ann's mom. <laughs> well, and She's Carol Ann's Car- mom. That's what Carol Ann's mom wore I, to bed um, when she was fighting off the demons and then got pulled into the uh, swimming pool full of skeletons. There you go. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the, the, <laughs> the pajama choice of, of, of the times. Um, another, one other thing that I wanted to point out that I never caught on to as a kid was, um, Nancy and Tina are only 15. They're only supposed to be 15. Cause, wow. Because when, um, Tina dies, there's a news report on in the background and they say like fifteen year old Tina, whatever oh her last God. name was, and and that so like again, eighties movie. Who knows what age they are? They all must be like twenty five years old, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking Heather Langenkamp is you know 
older physically, but she's only playing 15 year old. Well, she makes a, there's a line in the movie where after she get you know, she, she decides to just not sleep. She's gone on like 10 days without sleeping. She's, you know, drinking coffee constantly. So goddamn insane. <laughs> right. And, um, she even has a, she goes to a, her mom makes her go to a sleep clinic. She falls asleep, has a nightmare. The doctor played by Charles Fleischer from who is famous for making Roger Rabbit's voice mm. and having an amazing scene in Zodiac. Um, oh, yes. yes. And, um, she wakes up from that dream and has gray hair, mm-hmm. you know, the stress gray hair. Yeah. Um, which also happens in Poltergeist, yes. which is amazing. <laughs> she makes this line where she's talking to Glenn and she's just like, oh, my God, I look 20 years old. <laughs> Which, which is funny because not just because it's like, ha ha ha, you look 20 years old. Like that's so old, but that's how old she was in real life. Heather Langenkamp was 20 years old. (laughs) So, so that's just so funny. Yeah. Um, also want to mention, um, shout out to Sam Raimi and Evil Dead, which is a really fun kind of horror movie. Um, that is showing on the TV, um, when she's trying to stay up late one night, that's mm. the that's the movie that's on. Oh, how wild! And um, Wes Craven and Sam Raimi are friends. Mm. So at one in cross promotion in Evil Dead Two, which is pretty much Evil Dead One just done again with a different tone. Um, Freddy's glove appears in a shed in that movie. So there you go. You know, fun facts to enjoy. Um, Evil Dead is is. It's a pretty fun movie. Mm. So zombies, um, uh, demons. Oh, never demons. seen it. The Necronomicon. I should I should make you watch that movie, but I think we might have to save that for next year yeah. or just another time. We just feel like talking about scary movies. All right. Um, I only have one more one more thing I want to add. Um, I know that Johnny Depp was dreamy, mm. and that you really love Johnny Depp. Um, at least Johnny Depp up in. Up until Till, Sleepy Hollow. Up until Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. And then after that kind of teeters off. Yeah. He just got too weird with too much Tim Burton. Was he too was he too goofy with um as Jack Sparrow? Or did you not like him with the goatee? No, the, it's like, not that. I, I just never really Keith got Richards into I just acting. never really got into those movies. Well, um two other actors I'd like to mention that were up for the role of Glenn. Um, Charlie Sheen. Who, not a shock that it seems right. And I mean, if you're thinking age wise, Charlie Sheen. Let me see if I can guess the other one. Would it be um, C. Thomas Howell? No. Anyone else from The Outsiders? No. Rob Lowe. Okay, no. no. John Cusack. Are you goddamn kidding me? I saw it online. Other actors up for this role <laughs> Charlie Sheen, a couple other people who I don't know, remember off the top of my head, John Cusack. Nice. So. It all comes full circle, people, sure on does. the podcast. So um, maybe we could ask him how disappointed he was if we ever get to talk to him. We'll try our best. I think this was a lot of fun <laughs> yeah. talking about a couple scary movies. We are going to do this all through October. We're hoping to squeeze in at least two more episodes yep. um, where we're going to talk about some scary movies. Um, and, uh, you know, you know where to find us. You know, we're online. We're on Instagram. We're on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on the Twitter. We're on... You can find our episodes on YouTube. We're now live on Spotify, so if you like to listen to podcasts on Spotify, you can now find us fighting over the VCR on Spotify and listen to us. My name's Matthew. 
My name's Nancy. This has been Fighting Over the VCR. Tangina. <laughs> <laughs>